This is the Blue Man Group. This is the Blue Man Group. This is the Blue Man Group. Listeners, my name is Ron Ecstasy, and you're listening to Blue Men Group. As always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Devin Welsh and John Beedrin. Hello. 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 Hi. Um, welcome to the podcast zone. We are now in the podcast zone. Um, let's warm do in as- here. Yeah, I know. It's really zone. hot. Well, Were you hot. sitting in here earlier? Did you warm it up for us? I did, and I turned it up a little bit, but John, uh, you, you, you are wearing a sweater. You could take it off. You could go topless for this episode. <laughs> yeah, um, I have But let's do as we always do and jump into compliments. Uh, Dev, compliment to you. Uh, uh, I like your background. There we go. I always <laughs> say that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, John, all I'll say to you is way to go, buddy. And we can announce um, anything with regards to my compliment in later episodes. <laughs> yeah. Enough. Yeah, I'm also... For right now, we'll my, just leave that floating there. Yeah, my compliment to Ron is... Um, nice background. Nice background. <laughs> and uh, compliment to John is also, yeah, I'm shelving it for uh, to be revealed at a future time, but... Yep. Congratulations to John. Thank good job, John. And my compliment for both of you guys is very nice, clean foreheads. It's good to see you guys got all the ash off yesterday. Yeah. Didn't leave any mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. You made sure to keep your your pores clean. So good job. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was uh, Ash Wednesday yesterday. I skipped it this year, um, and skipped it for the past thirty three years actually. But uh, <laughs> I will, you know, put a little ash around my. Uh, forehead, yes. temple, area, wherever I want, to be honest, because I'm a humanist. <laughs> Did you hear that people were doing like uh, drive through ash sprinklings where people like get out of their car and like the priest, the father, or whatever, has like sprinkle ash on you out of like a like a pepper shaker? No way. Oh. Because of COVID. <laughs> Man. That's awesome. COVID and the uh, Catholic Church having a one dilly of a pickle trying to figure out what to do. Uh, this is this is a virus you you cannot pray away. Um, all right, let's go into this week in history. 1996, world chess champ Garry Kasparov beats Deep Blue, the IBM supercomputer, in a six-game match in Philadelphia. I knew that I could learn much better because my opponent would need more time to learn and to come back with a really uh, sophisticated counter strategy. The following year, Kasparov loses to Deep Blue in a rematch. 1963. (laughs) I'm not afraid to take on a challenge. I'm not afraid to take a step. And if I fall, I fall. I pick myself up. I move on. Michael Jordan, one of pro basketball's greatest all-time players, is born in Brooklyn, New York. Again, one of. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. We know he's the greatest. Yeah, well, that's like the huge debate in basketball, right? Like, is LeBron or... or, uh... And that's what this episode is all about. We're going to be going into LeBron better than Jordan. (laughs) Yeah. uh, And we're going to. What's your opinion? uh, I'm not going to weigh in. I don't. I don't want to. But John, ask me. Ask me. You just want to upset the apple cart. All right, Ron. What is uh? What's who's your? Who do you think's the goat? 
Uh, I'm undecided. So <laughs> why did you have the, me ask you? <laughs> the uh, interesting thing here, let's take it back to Gary Kasparov, okay? Kasparov, he played Deep Blue, okay, who is a computer mm -hmm. made by IBM, okay? Mm -hmm. IBM makes... Oh, no. <laughs> computer. No, no. Uh, IBM makes computers, now known as Lenovo, okay? Is it is it now Lenovo because no actually Deep Blue won didn't it never mind well yeah Deep Blue lost on this week in history but then shortly thereafter a year later Deep Blue beat Kasparov uh, yeah and, it's and, funny to have the clip of Kasparov cockily being like yeah I knew I was gonna win and then yeah you lose the next year and it yeah, yeah. On that. and also <laughs> that the whole thing is premised on I knew I could make decisions more quickly than my opponent right. and then it's like. Uh, Bro, yeah. bro, down chill there, out. Yeah, but the double like, feature here: the the Kasparov beats Deep Blue, and then Michael Jordan. It's kind of there's some poetic resonance there because Michael Jordan's kind of like a, a robot has yet to beat Michael Jordan at basketball. Right, that's true. It's sort of a John Henry origin week mm -hmm. where it's like the greatest no idea who that is, and then the greatest computer. Well, I wonder if should we have Jordan face off with deep blue at chess or basketball and chip basketball both they can do like a best yes. of three on yeah each. yeah i would love to see that and i would love to see kasper kasparov on the on the court yeah um yeah if yeah. kasparov <laughs> should play should play jordan <laughs> basketball yeah and then we'll see who the greatest is because yeah. as far as i it, it's all equal level playing field as far as i know um right i mean i don't De devin i believe you play chess right uh, I play chess a little bit. Um, and basketball. I'm very, yep. yeah, I'm not very good at either chess or basketball, but I like playing both. Um, I played, who, you, I, think you're good like, at, I think you're good at basketball, Devin. But uh, John, do you play chess? Um, I did as a kid, but I haven't in a really long time. And yeah. then I played over Christmas with my uh, girlfriend's family. Mm. And uh, I could not, I couldn't win. So I could no, not. And then yeah. I was like, I'm not going to play anymore. Um, I was a uh, sore loser. I was bullied by my uh, older sister into uh, never learning how to play chess. And nice. um, I've had many people tell me that I would be really good at it. And uh, But she didn't want you to play? No, no, no. I told her uh, in, 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 first, <laughs> in first grade, I, I, she's like, okay, we're, go we're going home now. And it was like after school. I'm like, I'm going to a chess club. And she laughed at me. And, what uh, um, name did she call you? Um, probably started with an F and then, um, <laughs> it, and then she said, there's no way <laughs> you're going to that. <laughs> you little fancy boy. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's similar to fancy boy. Uh, yeah. so I would eventually like to play chess in my life, but I'm still, um, deeply bruised by, uh, um, what my sister has done. You're black me. and blue. You're deeply blue. <laughs> I'm deep, deep, deep blue. Uh, Deep Blue yeah. also is sort of like the spiritual counterpart to the Blue Men group uh, yeah. in the robot world. Yes. Yeah. It is. There. There is a uh, competing podcast that is only done by algorithmic computers and, and uh, <laughs> smart things. We, we. Yeah, we have to do a, a podcast off with Deep Blue, the Blue Men group versus Deep Blue on mm -hmm. podcasting, and see who comes out on top. Yeah, yeah, it's like a it's like a Turing test where we'll just say things and if it responds in like some sort of way, then we will continue. We'll just keep yes ending. I would I would love to know the uh, meet the improv computer that IBM is working on. <laughs> yeah, we you, you, you throw it a topic and then it, it does like 
it does 12 the smartest minutes. joke you've ever heard. Yeah, it does 12 minutes about how like um, some subway line in New York City's down or something like that. And then it turns um, out it's just been like stealing Carlos Mencia bits. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're <laughs> Dev, please keep us on track here. We're, well, I'm looking forward to, hold on, I'll just say I'm looking forward to having Deep Blue on as a guest next week, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. We keep, we keep promising so many things next week. It's always like next week we're going to be doing like all this crazy stuff. Well, things, things happen. Well, it's going to be a busy week next week. Yeah, next week is definitely going to be a busy week. But okay, next so. Consider a six hour episode. <laughs> to, to uh, uh, you know, kind of close this chapter, I will say that um, as a kid, I was really, really, really obsessed with uh, Michael Jordan as a basketball player. Uh, I think a lot of kids my age at the time were like really into the Chicago Bulls because they just kept on winning. Mm-hmm. And my local team, basketball team, was n- not that good at the time. Uh, and I got a... Um, <laughs> How uh, old were you at the time? Uh, 30. No, I, I guess... <laughs> no, the 90s. So I would have been 10. But essentially guys, from age... So you guys eight, weren't very good at 10. As a what, what do you mean? Team. Like the Detroit Pistons. That's what I'm talking about. The Detroit oh, Pistons oh, were you like... you your own... <laughs> Oh no no no! They, my lo- they were bad, and then um, I I was really obsessed with Michael Jordan. I wrote Michael Jordan a letter. Obviously, he didn't read it, and I, you you receive uh, back like a pre-written thing from Nike, which was weird. I was like, I thought this went to him. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Nike instead Nike sent me owns something Michael back. Jordan. And then I um, remember ordering. For, I are asking for my birthday, and it happened. I got the uh, Michael Jordan forty-five number forty-five jersey because nice. he, oh, yeah. he came back into the league wearing number forty-five. And mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I've asked my mom, "Where is that?" By the way, <laughs> no, no idea. But there are a bunch of pictures of me wearing it, so that's cool. Um, so yeah, Michael Jordan. I don't know. He's kind of a. He seems. I don't want to know him now, but as a kid, I thought he was cool. That's all. <laughs> LeBron I would James like to know is, him now. LeBron James ha- seems to have a bit of a heart. Michael Jordan loves gambling, gambling. and uh, <laughs> cigars and um, and ladies who live in Las Vegas. Sounds like a cool guy to me. Yeah, it's true. Uh, so yeah, Kasparov, Michael Jordan, two beasts of their own <laughs> respective uh, fields. Respective fields. Thank you, John. Uh, that both. was Dr. Emeritus both. That was this week in history. In history. All right, let's take another uh, dip into the world of news in what's, what's in the news. All right, uh, lads, lads and ladies and everyone else, um, we have a special report here. Um, I mean, it was just published in the New York Times, so it's not that special, but it comes (laughs) from one of our favorite countries in a country where we are receiving lots of listens, let's say. Mm -hmm. We are in talks with radio stations all across the country of New Zealand about having our show broadcast all over the country almost 24 hours a day some of that blowing was true. up in new zealand blowing up yeah yeah some of that was true some of it wasn't but um we do have at least one fan in, in new zealand robbie abiobi i hope you're doing well but this news story is for you and i want i want robbie specifically i'm speak everybody i'm just speaking <laughs> specifically to robbie right now <laughs> yeah, robbie i, I want agree. you to 
John agrees. I would like Robbie to answer for this. <laughs> yeah. Or I would like Robbie to just keep watch with binoculars, the biggest binoculars you can find of the coast of New Zealand, just to see what's coming in because there's a bunch of shit coming in the country. The headline is New Zealand sentences woman caught with cacti tied to her body. The woman, Wang King Lee, pleaded guilty to violating biosecurity laws in two attempts to smuggle nearly 1,000 cacti and succulents into the country. Now, I'm going to, right off the top, I would like to say that New Zealand sentencing woman caught with cacti tied to her body sounds like, just let her, she's already punished herself. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like a crime and punishment situation. There's nothing you can do to her yeah. that would be having a thousand cactuses tied to you. Is yeah. there any, you know, my first thought was, is there any religious component to this? Is this a form of self-flagellation? Right. Um, mm. Especially during Lent. Um, In your research, but, did you find anything, Devin? Is it? Uh, I did not find anything, but I did find in the article, it mentions that um, she was trying to sell the uh, the cacti. Yes, that's on, correct. On a website. So that was the actual motivation behind tying the maybe cacti. There's a, uh, maybe there's a sexual component to this where either she enjoys having cactuses, cacti tied to her body, mm. or maybe the people buying them on Craigslist mm -hmm. similarly want pre-worn yeah pre-worn cacti yeah yes. yeah you're not just getting the cacti you're getting the cacti that was tied to the body smuggled in you're getting a story <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um yeah so the i guess the the real kicker here with this news article is that um when king lee who is 38 this is the second time that it's happened okay so <laughs> this is i i mean that's i guess where it could be like yeah is this is there some sort of backstory but um the the idea is that miss lee was intending to sell the plants as devin just said on trade me which is an online classified uh similar website similar to craigslist so the first incident of this happening was march 24th 2019 and miss lee tied stockings containing 947 succulents and cacti to her body and attempted to sneak them in the country. So, um, just shy of a thousand. I know. I, I was wondering Couldn't what those like number up. 56 or whatever it was, uh, <laughs> like where they were, um, 54, whatever, uh, 53. Um, <laughs> um, so there's this guy, um, named Mr. Orr, who is the, uh, he's like the government man, Gary Orr. Mm hmm. He's the director of compliance services for the Ministry of uh, Primary Industries. <laughs> um, that's kind of a weird thing. This is a very interesting paragraph. An airport official, Gary Orr, approached Miss Lee with a detection dog, which took notice of her, and she rushed to a bathroom to try to dispose of the plants. I wonder, first off, what do cacti smell like? Um, off, did Gary follow her in the bathroom as she's like frantically trying to flush the, the cacti? Well, that's, that, this is what happened. So she went into the men's bathroom. Uh, and, and and I guess the idea was that uh, she wasn't going to be followed, uh, you know, like into the into the men's room. So <laughs> Gary Orr goes on to say um, what she did was put them in the rubbish bins in the men's toilet, thinking we wouldn't look there because she was a woman, Mr. Orr said. <laughs> but our staff are alert to that type of ruse. <laughs> so good. <laughs> so it's been that's been tried many times before. <laughs> Yeah. It's like, oh, wait, I'll go in the opposite <laughs> bathroom and dump my paraphernalia into the garbage. 
So it's sort of like a uh, rock paper scissors. Like I'm gonna play the 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 hand that you're not thinking I'm gonna play, but it's like yeah. a reverse psychology thing. Yep. Yeah. And it didn't work. Uh, officers at the airport searched the bathrooms and found a large amount of plant material, uh, including three stockings filled with succulents and cacti, the statement said. Uh, the plants, including eight endangered and threatened species, were worth more than $7,000. Wow. So that's, that's, I think that's the, uh, the, the thing we're looking for here. Eight endangered and threatened species taped to her body or however they're 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 appended or whatever the word is um yeah so again uh four months later uh after the first time uh miss lee again you know uh tried to bring this in um on july 23rd 2019 142 seeds hidden in a commercially packaged ipad um, and more than 200 plant pots were found in Miss Lee's luggage. It seems as though Miss Lee may not be the person you need to be smuggling things in anymore right. because it's, it's not working. Yeah. They clearly need to work on their strategy, and it's probably a bit too late for that. I mean, presumably she's on a, a list of some kind. I mean, I know. After the first time, you would think <laughs> yeah. there'd be like that photo for, with like you have at 7 Eleven for passing bad checks. Yep. Yeah. It seems like I if don't somebody. Allow this woman to cross the border with 300 plus yeah. plants. If somebody gets caught with 947 succulents and cacti tied to their body coming into <laughs> yeah. the country, they'll probably be flagged for the next time they come in. It's like, well, does she have the cacti again and then she yeah. does this is well, a real like midnight express situation but it's like yeah instead of going to turkish jail for the rest of your life new zealand is probably just gonna like yeah it's probably it, it, fine it, john i would say that this is definitely a prickly situation i <laughs> i i uh i feel for miss lee wanking lee um I, I mean, I suggest you go to the failing New York Times website and you look at uh, <laughs> the the photos of the evidence. You can see what it what it is like. I think these are the seeds that we see um, at at the top of the article. Mm -hmm. Well, they're like little succulent, fleshy like nodes, which yeah. they grow from. You can just like pop the leaf off of a, a yeah. It looks succulent. Looks almost like um, uh, uh, the the insides of like edamame. Um, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Little green beans. Yeah, and I don't. I I uh, listen. All all I'm gonna say is, <laughs> Robbie is Robbie. Just be on watch, okay? There's going to be some things coming through the country, and I need you to. I need you to see them and just let me know when they get there. I've got some seeds being sent over, and yeah, I just want I, them to arrive. This this is a bad situation for the uh, third wave coffee shop owners of New Zealand. Yeah, no, it's be pretty true. drab environments. Yeah, yes. no cacti in sight. And yeah, exactly. Plug got arrested. Just to finish this off, uh, I thought this was a funny detail that Mr. Orr uh, mm -hmm. wanted to make sure to include. Yes. Was to say that Mr. Orr said that the plant pots were, quote, wrapped in moldy paper. Yeah. And uh, that that was an additional concern because the mold in the paper could bring... Um, could disrupt the biodiversity of, of New Zealand even more yeah. so perhaps than the uh, cacti. Yeah, he said those, those, those uh, pots were dirty and he said they could have been bringing in all sorts of diseases. Yeah, which it is sounds true. like a, yeah, maybe. But it seems <laughs> like he's, he's trying to like 
you know, make the yeah. case a little stronger. Okay. Yeah. I see. I see where you what 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 you mean with that. Yeah. Yeah. I I um. We're, we're, we're going to have Mr. Roar on the next uh, next, next week. week. <laughs> He's going to be our guest next week. Where and we're, we're actually going to have Wen King Lee on as well. It's going to be yeah. real like Jerry Springer type. And we're, They're going to yeah, make fun of each other. We're going to bring them together and uh, I don't know, maybe hash this out. I think we can, we can figure something out. Um, I'll be interested to hear Michael Jordan, our guest next week's take on this story yeah. with the two. Hopefully, yeah, we can make a deal with on a, a roundtable. How many seeds is it appropriate to bring in? It's not zero. Yeah. Come on, come on. And we, 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 a we, we ask Deep Blue to, to let us know, and it's like, mm, 32. And it's like, oh, there we go. Okay. <laughs> and Kasparov is like, no, I don't believe it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Can't argue right. with the computer. Anyway. Yeah. So, uh, Madam Lee, uh, just, just chill out for a bit. Let's... Uh, yeah. Let's let's keep it let's keep it kosher or something like that. <laughs> yes. All right, let's uh, let's head into our uh our second news story we have here today. Um we're back on the uh the beer beat. Mhm. Yeah, this this again has to do with beer. Now, I love beer. I um I indulge in the bubbly drink um yeah. once a month, let's say. And uh <laughs> um at least once a week. I have 12 beers over a year and I love when they happen. Right. Call but me Brett Kavanaugh because I like beer. <laughs> yeah. But it's um uh Lent season. And as I mentioned, I didn't get ashed up yesterday on Ash Wednesday. <laughs> I did mm-hmm. get fat on Fat Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, Ascension Thursday. What is it? It, it? There's something. When does ascending happen? After we, Friday. Yeah. Uh, this is like I don't the, think anything happens on Thursday. What's the? Yeah, this is kind of just like a dead period where it's like, yeah, yeah. nothing really <laughs> happened. Yeah. Yeah, they uh, they don't have the papers for that day. The Roman uh, guards were just sort of standing around waiting for the bureaucracy to move forward so they could uh, yeah. proceed with the trial. This is yeah. bureaucracy day. Bureaucracy. So this is the uh, the thing going on here. Man begins beer diet for Lent, raises money <laughs> for local businesses. I'm, is it the local businesses bars that he's going to? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. So this this uh this story comes out of uh, Cincinnati, which is a city right on the border of Kentucky and Ohio, but mm-hmm. it finds itself in Ohio. How about that? And um, listen, can, uh, uh, Cincinnati is a beer drinking town. All right. Oh yeah, lots of beer. Lots oh, and lots time. of beer. It's a problem and, um, there. <laughs> Lent. So Lent. Uh, hold on here. <laughs> Lent is like a Catholic thing, right? Strictly Catholic. Yes. Mm-hmm. 40 well, days. Yeah. Is that what they do? 40 days? 40 days. Where you give up something. And 40 days and 40 nights. You give something up, like candy or whatever, and you're like, oh, I'm not going to eat candy because Jesus died or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. And then um, all my friends in like elementary school were like, yeah, I'm giving up a regular Nintendo because I don't play it anyways. <laughs> all right well that's right dumb. yeah people always pick something that's uh or they've already moved past yeah but then i do know that in in germany in bavaria southern germany uh bayern there's monks 
that brew their own beer and they they brew i went to this this place where they brew the beer and during lent they make it stronger because it's it's like very difficult to get through lent as a as a monk i guess oh wow yeah. they make a special beer that's even stronger yeah for lent but they're huh. they're they're like allowed to the pope's like into it the pope probably <laughs> drinks that beer Okay, so yeah, this yeah, isn't yeah. really an aberration in liturgical doctrine. This is actually the Cincinnati guy is sort of like yeah. really orthodox here. He's like a secular a secular monk. But anyway, yeah. so yeah, his whole thing is he's giving up all food and most beverages <laughs> yeah. for the next 46 days and is going to be drinking only beer, water, black coffee, and herbal tea. Yeah, um, and, and so aspirin probably. Yeah, but no food, only beer. So he's cut That's out the vegetables, insane. he's cut out everything he doesn't want to eat, and he's just drinking more beer as a result. This is like this is like the worst version of supersize me. Yeah, yeah. It's like <laughs> he's gonna go to the I doctor mean, at the end of this and he's gonna be like, You shouldn't drink beer every day. Yeah. yeah. Um if he goes to my doctor, it'll be no problem. But uh, <laughs> Del Hall is his name. Del, which is a sweet name. D-E-L-H-A-L-L. Mm -hmm. uh, Del yeah, Hall. Um, he's, he, he did it. This is his third year doing it. He says that the goals are simple. Lose weight, help local restaurants and bars during the pandemic. That's it, okay? Um, he says, I only have three to five beers a day. Same. It's not like I'm drinking constantly. <laughs> if you eat your standard diet, it gets boring. Agreed. You don't eat the same thing every day. So I'm definitely not going to drink the same thing every day. He was he yelled. <laughs> they, they <didn't> say. <laughs> he had trouble. He said having trouble controlling the volume of his voice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He shouted. Um, I only have three or five beers a day. It's not like I'm <laughs> drinking constantly. Holy hell. He says each year he loses 40 to 50 pounds. That's a lot. That would So then change. every year he puts on 40 oh. to 50 pounds like the time when he's not doing lend. Exactly. So they we should have some context on this how like you can I I don't think I could if I lose 50 pounds it would I would be it wouldn't be good. No. I would have to no go to the me. hospital. Yeah. So there's something he has room to gr room to lose or something or room <laughs> yeah. to grow. I don't know. Yeah, he's like a, 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 a sculpture, or like a concrete foundation. There's a room there for it to like grow and contract. So this guy goes by Sergeant Dell, I guess, online. Um, he has a GoFundMe. If you're interested, I urge you not to. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, he calls himself Sergeant Dell, a real American beer -o. Um He's trying to raise $10,000. He's at $730. Somebody three hours ago donated a hundred dollars though um del hall also known as ohio's own beer celebrity <laughs> oh gosh um this is his virtual tip jar so starting on ash wednesday and then again as we said lasting 46 days until april 4th which is easter del will not eat anything and all calories will come from beer um, his Instagram is SJT Dell. You can look that up, um, which I am doing right now. And he can, again, considers himself a beer influencer and he's using the hashtag beer diet. And okay, here we go. Here's, here's his thing. He right now, as of three hours ago, again, he weighs 281 pounds. Oh yeah. 
Oh, so let's uh, 281 LBS to KG for our international listeners. That's 127.4 kilograms. He's a large man. Um, well, we don't know how tall he is, so his BMI might be in, in bounds there. He might be, he like, could be seven like seven feet tall. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, in which I, case, I, that would explain his ability to just drink <laughs> beer. Yeah. Um, his his uh, uh, license plate is beer for you. Um, mm-hmm. He drives a Jaguar, which is kind of interesting. I hope he's not driving it for the next 46 days. Well, yeah. he, he actually talks about that in the article. Um, oh. He says, uh, uh, well, the article says, when Lent is over, Hall will take all of the money he has raised and share it evenly with the bars and restaurants that have to be part of the fundraiser. And don't worry, he says safety is important and he always has a designated driver. One beer today will affect me way differently than it will in a week, explains Hall. I kind of really have to stay cognizant of that. Last year, I became Uber Platinum because I use Uber so much. I have a feeling this guy's going to have a lot of difficulty staying cognizant for the next 46 days. Yeah, well, we're, I'm, I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on, on him. Uh, he shows some before and after pictures, beer fasting, Ohio man. He, he's got a lot of names for himself, which... I mean, I do too. So whatever. Just, you really, I wanted to say I that like he probably is drinking these like crazy craft brews that are like super thick and they're like twelve percent right. alcohol. Oh, hundred like percent. Like a like a can of bread. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of. Or photos he's doing of, that classic crack an egg in your beer thing. Yeah, there's a lot. He's a tough guy. There's a lot of uh, photos of him with like cigars and that kind of stuff. So you, yeah, please go to SJT Dell on Instagram. And uh, the only cool thing that I've seen on there is he's got a photo of uh, Bootsy Collins and him, <laughs> oh, <nice. laughs> which is very is sick. Cool. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Bootsy's from Ohio too. Um, all right, so Del Hall, good luck with your with your shit. Um, uh, I don't know. Just be careful out there. Just stay away from that guy, I guess. Yeah. All right, let's uh, check out another uh, another another little news article we've got here. Um, this comes right off the AP Newswire. Ancient Shellhorn can still play a tune after eighteen thousand years. Yeah. <laughs> and um, before we, we we get into that, we we can hear. We're gonna take a little listen to uh, uh, what this shell. So imagine like a, a what do they call them? A conch conch. Conk. Yeah. Um, it, it just school, looks like old school shell. Yeah. Now let's let's take a let's take a listen. Nice. Um, yeah. Not super impressive. <laughs> well, no. for our perfect pitch listeners, that was clearly C, C sharp, and D. <laughs> don't mind. Thank you, John. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, uh, to be honest, why this is news. Um, it, it, it's, <laughs> it seems as though uh, the, the, like, it doesn't really... If, if this thing was 16,000 years old, I think it would still play. I don't, th- I don't understand what the, the match between the age of it and... Like, a lot of shells are 
incredibly old. <laughs> well, Most I think it's because yeah. this shell 18,000 years ago was was uh, modified in such a way that it could oh. be used as a, as a horn. Ah, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. And so this is a blast from the past, our, our human past. Somebody yes. made this wonderful musical instrument and, uh, and we've dusted it off after 18,000 years. Yeah, so they say that it is the oldest known seashell instrument. Now, it's funny, I used to... Um, I used to be in the shell trade. I don't know if you guys knew that, but I no. formerly it's on my it's on my uh, CV. I used to sell seashells down by the seashore <laughs> and um, made quite a living at that actually. And it's a very um, convenient place to buy a seashell. Yeah, they're everywhere. It's like a it's like Costco down there for um, for shells. But I never found a nice conch conch. Um, so. This is this is what they figured out. <laughs> Using modern microscopy techniques, that means they use the microscope, to examine <laughs> how the shell was modified and hiring a French horn player, the, their son probably, it's like an eighth <laughs> grader, yeah, yeah. Um, to test it out. They found that the shell could produce C, C sharp, and D notes. Nice. Um, great. I feel like they didn't need to hire a French horn player for this because... There's not like valves or yeah. I guess you have to get the embouchure or whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah, the embouchure. Yeah. Yeah. Also, didn't they find this in France? That's uh, true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. So then, just get a horn player. We don't need a French horn player. I don't care where they come from. <laughs> yeah. Right. Were the was this work done by French scientists or was it just? Uh, is that just? That information is not available to us. Yeah. Well, so, uh, interesting quote from the archaeologist Carol Fritz, who mm -hmm. may have discovered it, or maybe no, no, didn't discover it, but but probably mm -hmm. got this whole project together for testing it out. Hearing it for the first time for me, it was a big emotion and a big stress. Said archaeologist Carol Fritz. Wow. Hmm. Mm. Because it Carol, sounds so bad. It hurt big my ears. Stress. Yeah. Yeah. So this is interesting. Um, the archaeo an archaeologist who was not involved in the research from the University of California, Berkeley, um, said that this is classic, really solid archaeology. <laughs> okay, but then, but then, yeah. hold on. The, here's here's the uh, the thing. Her name is Margaret Conkey. No. C O N K E Y. So Come on. what is going on here? This is all connected. This is yeah. some 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 weird stuff. I've been watching uh I've been watching these Adam Curtis documentaries and I'm understanding that everything's connected. Here's another thing that's connected. <laughs> these these the conks underground playing C's and D's and Margaret Conkey, archaeologist. Yeah. Um it's a weird story. Carol, both C names. Mm. Yep. And then there's a Montreal connection where Devin and I both lived. Mm -hmm. uh, Razul Morteza, a composer in Montreal, who has studied conch shell acoustics, was not involved in the paper, but they said, what makes conch shells so interesting is that the spiral cavity formed by nature is perfectly adept at resonating musically. Now, Devin, again, I turn to you as our... <laughs> Resident musician, um, have you ever employed a conch shell in any of your uh, uh, your music? No, I, 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 yeah, I've never been. I haven't gotten to that level, I guess, of 
musical composition. Okay. Well, just letting you know that the uh, the inside of the conch uh, makes it's a perfect, perfect cave sound. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, yeah. Uh, it looks like in a follow-up story I have here, uh, it appears that the French scientists have made the conch a central, uh, a new central organizing metaphor for their new anarchist society. Uh, it doesn't say anything about it here, but hopefully it's, you know, like a benevolent utopia and hmm. not some kind of cynical comment on the nature of humanity. Yeah. You know, where people are se- sort of separated into hunters and uh, gatherers and someone with glasses gets pushed off of a boulder. Yeah, uh, yeah. But we'll be, we'll be looking into this and following up with this story next week. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we'll, we'll, keep, we'll stay on the conch beat. Yeah, the conch beat, which reminds me, there was a uh, a band out of uh, New York City in the uh, late 1980s or mid 1980s called Conk, K-O-N-K, who I uh, absolutely love. Welcome back to to Blue Men Group. Um, we have a Civil War style story that we need to discuss. Uh, Dev, I know you you were on the beat on the uh, chicken path for this one. Uh, what mm-hmm. can you tell us? Yeah, this is an interesting story that uh, the entire story is kind of intriguing. Uh, so I just want to go through it. The headline is Teens Civil War Reenacting Chicken Found in Alabama. Mm. <laughs> Wait, uh, what? So a teen has a chicken that is a Civil War reenactor, and it was found after being temporarily lost. A Mississippi teen who lost his Civil War reenacting pet chicken, Peep, Outside a Cracker Barrel restaurant <laughs> in Alabama was reunited with the bird courtesy of a farmer who helped find the fowl. Thomas Ramsey, who founded a, a military reenactment group for youth, told wow. the Coleman Times he was headed home from a weekend event at Spring Hill, Tennessee, when he stopped with a friend at the restaurant in Coleman on January 31st. He left Peep, a rooster that participates in simulated battles, tied to his truck in the parking lot oh my god that's really not a respectful way to treat a war veteran no um and so ramsey who is 18 years old uh said he and his friend walked out about an hour later to discover the chicken had flown the coop and was nowhere to be seen uh he says i went back into the cracker barrel and it was very hard for me to say this with a straight face even though i was panicking do you have cameras in the parking lot? I think someone stole my chicken, said Ramsey of Copia County, south of Jackson. Someone overheard and said they had seen Peep wandering in the parking lot. An animal control officer got involved in the hunt and, quote, missing chicken photos of Peep soon spread on social media pages around Cullman, a city of 16,000 people 50 miles north of Birmingham. With no sign of Peep, Ramsey continued the drive home. Then he got a message that the bird had been found outside the Cracker Barrel and farmer John Watson, who posted <laughs> advice on catching Peep, had the rooster and was headed to Birmingham to meet Ramsey for a reunion. 
Farmer wow. John Watson. <laughs> I like uh, that this guy was on social media being like, here's how you catch a rooster. And then he proved that he knew what he was talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then said Watson, I believe in paying it forward. God has blessed my family so much throughout the years. I believe yep. we should be kind to our fellow man. Yes. yes, it was just a chicken, but it was his, <laughs> and he clearly cared for it. So many chicken naysayers. Ramsey said Civil War soldiers sometimes had animals with them on the battlefield, so he mm -hmm. takes peep to reenactments. Oh, that to me is the uh, most kind of... Yeah. Uh, shaky claim of the piece that <laughs> ramsey says civil war soldiers sometimes had animals with them on the battlefield yeah, like a dog probably yeah or not like a chicken yeah right you don't bring your dinner with you and he said uh, ramsey said during the first one peep attended the bird got out of a bag and wandered around during simulated battle there's about 10 <laughs> cannons just blazing and all the rifle fire and he's not going crazy he's pretty chill ramsey said <laughs> Yeah, that is, so that is the headline. And then also I found uh, the Cullman Times, C-U-L-L-M-A-N. I think this is for uh, Alabama or wherever, mm -hmm. um, or Mississippi, I'm unsure. But he, he uh, the, the headline does say, a pretty chill peep, Pat Rooster reunited with owner <laughs> after going missing in Cullman. And there is a great photo of Thomas Ramsey, who will be a guest on the show next week, uh, the, with his chicken. And the chicken is standing on top of a cannon, a small, very small cannon. Um, it's cool. I think, I mean, he seems cool. Uh, I don't know if the way he's treating his chicken, but do you want, I don't know how to fucking treat chicken, so I'm not going to make those judgments. Um, right. All things considered, it seems like he probably has a pretty nice relationship with the chicken. It seems like it. Um, Although it did run away. It did run away, yeah. It did flee from being tied to the truck. That's true. <laughs> I wonder if this person who saw the chicken wandering around and didn't do anything, first off, um, had some kind of... Maybe this was like someone from the north who was uh, committing sabotage. That's right, true. Well, there's right. also... Didn't they say that they found the chicken at the Cracker Barrel? So it didn't really go anywhere. Yeah. It was just probably like wandering yeah, around. <laughs> he just couldn't find it. Yeah, yeah but it didn't yeah. leave the premises. Uh, and then for me, yeah, it's just, I guess the, well, number one is Civil War reenactments, kind of weird. Yeah, uh, yeah I don't think that they need to be done anymore and probably shouldn't be done. No. I feel like we sort of settled the history on the Civil War. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of, it's a really kind of macabre, strange thing to do. And then also the fact that this guy brings a chicken with him to the reenactments and claims seemingly erroneously that soldiers had chickens with them during the civil war yeah uh it kind of goes to show the um what's the word the uh how unmoored from like historical reality <laughs> these types of reenactments can that's become, so true especially as yeah. time goes on you know yeah, like 18 year old with a chicken maybe in a hundred years people will still be doing it but now chickens will be part of the canon of <laughs> civil war reenactments yeah yeah, this is, this is, I believe I just, yes, I did find uh, Peep's personal Instagram. Um, now, it looks as though we have can we get videos. Can you drop an at for the listener, Ron? So they can uh, yes, yes, yes. So it is Instagram.com slash Peep, P-E-E-P -E -E underscore the underscore towel. Peep the towel. And there's photos of uh, Thomas Ramsey holding Peep inside of his 
car. There's a uh, uh, photo of Peep at the Cracker Barrel, it seems, <laughs> yeah. standing next to a... Uh, um, oh, here we go. He says, I got high and wandered off at Cracker Barrel, yo. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess he's claiming that um, the Peep got high. Peep got high. Yeah. Um, hmm. And then th there's some screenshots. Janet Davis is at Cracker Barrel. Uh, <laughs> eight at Cra This is like a screenshot of somebody's Facebook, I guess. Eight at a Cracker Barrel today. This is what we saw in the parking lot. Are they raising their own now? And it's a photo of Peep. Um, right. <laughs> it seems sort of like Thomas Ramsey is interested in two separate things: owning a chicken as a pet, mm -hmm, and then yeah. being, and then Civil War reenactments. And he's yes. just decided to combine those two things. He's shoehorning one into the other. Yeah. Because he doesn't have enough time. He's a busy teen. Yeah. I like that um, the, the story is like reiterating like that Peep isn't bothered by the war or like the simulated battle. Yeah. Um, but it seems that maybe Peep is like, you know, hiding deeper trauma than is being revealed. And maybe like is having PTSD at the Cracker Barrel and in a fugue state wandered off. <laughs> <laughs> that could be that could be or he was looking for something to chew on yeah yeah maybe so, he's trying to find a worm to peck at um this is one or the other one or the other peep peep you're 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 more than welcome to come hang out with us uh i like what you're what you're i i, I i'm interested i'll just say um yeah, this is actually a great story yeah. yeah peep peep the towel it's cool that um Go on to the Instagram. You can see exactly what's going on. Everyone follow Peep the Towel. Everyone who listens. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I should it's, follow. <laughs> it's good content. Yeah. Maybe we can have Peep the Towel on uh, Ron Next, <laughs> next News week. Network. Yeah. <laughs> see, or we'll have him on here next week. Um, yeah. This, this, seems, this seems interesting and cool. All right. Let's, um, let's, let's close this out. Uh, today's episode. We have uh, two, two more things on our agenda. Uh, a brand new segment um, that we will debut here today. It is the Lost and Found of the Week. All right, so here is a fucking nice story. <laughs> this um, is a great story. <laughs> this is about a California man, all right? So you know about California. San Diego, go all the way down near near Mexico. A man named Paul Grisham, okay? So Paul Grisham is 91 years old. That means he is eligible for the COVID vaccine. Um, <laughs> now, Mr. Grisham, I call him Paul, um, he lost a wallet in 1960-something, in the 60s, let's say. 19, now, oh yeah. um, John, can you please ask me where he lost his wallet? Um, did he, like, lose it? Yeah, Ron, can you tell us where he lost it? Was it, like, behind guess where? the John, couch? Guess where? Is it in his car? I can't, I can't nope. guess. Nope, nope. All right, you can't, you can't guess? Did he, was it in, you know, was it on the same continent that he lives on currently? No, 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 John. What? You're hmm. way off, man. He what? lost it in Antarctica. Okay? He lost Damn. his wallet, which contained his Navy ID card, his driver license, a pocket reference card on what to do during atomic, biological, and chemical attack, a beer ration punch card, a tax withholding <laughs> statement, and receipts for money orders sent to his wife. Mm-hmm. 
What a weird mm-hmm. potpourri of things to have in your wallet. Although I guess in like 1967, that's like kind of normal. Yeah, so a he was a ration card. He was assigned to uh, Antarctica as a part of Operation Deep Freeze, which supported oh, civilian scientists operation. and shipped out to the frozen continent in October 67. At the time, he was in his 30s, married to toddlers. You know, he went down there. He said he was kicking and screaming. And then yeah, he definitely uh, wanted to flee his young children and uh, his, his marriage. Yeah. Yeah, he, he uh, left his locker in a, or sorry, left his wallet in a locker at McMurdo Station, which we've uh, we've we've all been familiar with on on our globes and maps uh, mm-hmm. on the Antarctica's Ross Island. Yeah, McMurdo Station is a it's like one of the most important places on the globe to be aware of. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, Grisham he retired from the Navy in 1977. Um, didn't seem that he didn't seem like he was too worried ab- about losing his wallet in in um McMurdo yeah. station Antarctica but despite losing his wallet he lived a pretty happy life seemingly yeah yeah um we think yeah i mean I guess it's sounds not sure cool. this is a very like i mean imagine being well it's hard to imagine but something about civil scientists in antarctica um uh, you know you're just completely removed from everyone and it's like you know it's like the 60s you're like a 60s guy yeah sounds cool sounds fun it says here that uh uh grisham told the union tribune it is hard to grasp the vastness and remoteness of antarctica which sounds like a lonely place Mm -hmm. but a luxury was a daily after work martini and once a week he contacted his wife wilma by voice relay through shortwave radio operators yeah, Wilma. That's perfect. It's like, so, yeah, uh, yeah. I got to go ration some beer and then uh, go yell at Wilma from... Yeah, from, I like that uh, they had beer rations, but clearly they had enough, like... Yeah, they also had martinis around. and the beer ration card. He's, like, getting blotto every night. And then yeah. his wife is safely at a distance. He only talks to her once a week through some, like, crackly shortwave radio. Hello, right. dear. Yeah, everything's yeah. going fine. Come in. How are the rugrats? Yeah. yeah, how are they doing? Oh, what are you doing down there? Uh, not much. And then he gets so hammered nearly <laughs> nearly every day that he loses his wallet. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. Then and then it's lost for a really long time. And then in 2014, during demolition of a building at McMurdo Station, um, the wallet was found. And that they... Uh, so... Finding the owner of the wallet took emails, Facebook messages, and letters exchanged among a group of amateur sleuths. They decided to send um, Mr. Uh, Grisham, Mr. Mr. Grisham, um, two different wallets yep. that were both recovered during the demolition of this building. So not one wallet was lost at McMurdo, but two wallets. Mm-hmm. Again, there was a lot of drinks going around, so yeah, it's so understandable. Yeah, and then in the other buildings, you imagine there's more lost wallets. So there's probably Another so martini, many please. wallets. Can I yeah. get a martini over here? <laughs> yeah, please. Thank you. Uh, yeah, there's everybody. So this is, I've said this on previous episodes before. Everyone is losing things in Antarctica because it's on the bottom of the globe. Mm-hmm. So if you think about it, you're essentially standing upside down. Everything's falling out of your pocket. It's like being, yeah. it's like being on a roller coaster <laughs> upside down. This is one way that you lose a wallet in Antarctica. And yeah. I'm very sure that that's how Mr. Grisham of San Diego, Paul Grisham, 
uh, 91 years old. He lost his wallet with his drinking buddies after six or seven martinis, uh, punching out his card, uh, punching out his partners, probably uh, the Navy yeah, guys yeah. down there. They get punched. Out the too. second wallet was returned to the family of a man who died in 2016. Do you think he lifted like a couple bucks from his wallet? Oh, totally, it? totally. Yeah. Totally. A bunch of like $2 bills or something in there. Right. Like <laughs> total like 60s crap. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, there's there's some photos of uh, Paul Grisham and his second wife, Carol Salazar. I don't, I'm more of a fan of Wilma, his, his original wife and uh, mother of Paul Grisham's children. Uh, but yeah, if you look this up, um, there's nice photo of Carlos, or sorry, uh, Paul Grisham's um, uh, ID in San Carlos in San Diego. Mm -hmm. um, and we're glad we're glad he got it back. Um, yeah, especially before he passed away. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I hope he's vaccinated and uh, hope he's doing well with his yeah wallet. And I hope there's no I hope there's no strange research bacteria still lingering on that that right. wallet. That yeah, have been, has been in stasis because it was in Antarctica from for for sixty years. Yeah, and uh, and to be honest, I'm a bit concerned with uh, the fact that. For the past 50 plus years he's been driving without a license so yeah, and hopefully um, operation deep freeze was a success i'm not exactly yeah. sure what operation deep freeze was um but it sounds like you know a bunch of uh, a bunch of like 60s scientists getting together drunk conspiring cut off from the world yeah They're probably working on something very cool yeah and not uh, malicious or or ominous at all I think they were just drinking. Um, I think <laughs> I think that uh, he should uh, meet up with Del Hall, the uh, American hero, <laughs> and maybe they can figure a few things out. And uh, they should get a chain wallet if they any share notes. <laughs> they don't they should, they share yeah, have, research. Have their each of their wallets is connected by a chain, so they have to go everywhere <laughs> yeah. within two feet of each other. Yeah. yeah. All right, everybody, let's uh, let's let's wind this down. But before we leave. We have to look at our numbers. Let's see where we were last week's numbers. What do we got here? Um, okay. How, so, how are the numbers what, looking, Ron? Yeah, uh, the numbers. numbers to me because I'm, I can't make heads or tails of them. Yeah, I'm not a statistician, so. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, I, I, I'm unsure. So over the past 14 days, okay? We are up 10%. Nice. That is nice. good. We are up 10%. We're up Do you 10. celebrate good times? Yeah, um, yeah. The song? Yep. Good times. Little disco ball. All right. So yesterday we had 15 downloads. I believe last week we had 13. So that means two more people have listened. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> over the past seven days, we've had 150 downloads. You know, we, we should... We should probably chart what we, what they were last week because I don't remember at all. It looks like we're looking at a chart. I'm confused as to what you think mm -hmm. we should be. What it's additional true. information we should be capturing? Yeah, 150 in the last seven days. That's pretty good. We've got a, yeah. we've got a, a, a little fan club developing here. Yeah, yeah little. Um, and then uh, last 30 days, uh, 489 downloads. And then the all-time downloads is at 1,277. So Edison's Revenge, which was last week's uh, episode, sixty-eight listens in one mm -hmm. week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pretty. That's that's okay. Yeah, I think we can get good. it up to eighty-six. That's where we want it to be. Yeah. 
for now. 86 listens. Let's get that. A weekly of 80 weekly of 86 listens. So please tell your friends, rate us. Even if you don't use that Apple podcast thing, just go in there. If, if you're, if your aunt or uncle has an iPhone, ask to ask if they have any games on it and then borrow it and then go into the podcast app and rate our podcast a five. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then write a funny comment and then yeah. post it on Instagram or wherever you yeah. may be. Um, just, you know, do the work. Thank yeah, you. Look, gonna, this, yeah. Isn't, this isn't a turnkey operation. We need you out there eating the pavement getting the good news out there yeah there's no there's no free lunches all right so right you know, we send you this podcast we expect you to put in some put in some effort yeah right um next week by the way we'll we will be providing a lunch um <laughs> for <laughs> listeners uh so hopefully you yeah. can join us next week we're gonna, but, be uh, si- we're gonna be sitting down all of our listeners and explaining the sort of like pyramid shape of the structure of the podcast yeah. listenership and like their responsibilities to increase the size yeah, with a, of our audience with a free lunch so um please join us for next week with, for a free lunch and we will have uh on the menu we will have chicken um courtesy martinis. of peep <laughs> uh martinis from antarctica we will be drinking only beer, I guess. Michael Jordan will be bringing the fine Cuban cigars for after, yes. after the yep. meal. Uh, Kasparov will be there playing uh, checkers. And then um, we will also be, uh, you know, we're crunching some numbers with Deep Blue. So please stick with us and we will talk next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.